Hi, um, welcome to Five Compelling Questions with Sean. This is the podcast where we sit and talk with authors um, about the writing life, being creative, random everyday stuff, how sometimes you have exactly the same life parallels as other people, and we try to uncover all of that within five questions. Today, my guest is Tina DeBellegarde. DeBellegarde. And I said it wrong, and I will say it again. So this is an inside joke. Tina's name is spelled little d, little e, capital B, little e, L-L-E-G-A-R-D-E. So many people will know exactly how to say that, but the way my brain sees it is DeBellegarde, but I have recently learned it's DeBellegarde. Perfect. So you say it for me real quick. DeBellegarde. Very good. So that's exactly how you're supposed to say it. Thank you. So Tina is, um, I just love, I love Tina and I'm so glad you're here. I'm thrilled to be here. This is wonderful. Great. So I'll let everyone know a little bit about you before we get started with the uh, questions. Um, you live in Catskill, but not, not today. You're staying in Florida for a brief for the, for the, you're, you're a snowbird this year. My first snowbird year. Yes. I'm loving it. Awesome. We just had a prior chat about how I grew up there and she went to school we, and we went to the same school. We went to the same primary school. Yes, how bizarre. Crazy is that? I know. And almost the same high school. Like we went to rival high schools for a brief time and we had very similar college experiences. So were you, what was your major in college? French and Italian. Okay. I was English. So we did the language. <laughs> French and Italian. See? I wish I knew how to speak French. That'd be so cool. And um, you would have learned how to say my name. I know. I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, all I know all I know how to say is the food. So if your name was a was if your name was a food, I would have got it right. That's the important stuff. That's the first thing people learn in language anyway, is the food. Food, yes, and love. So <clears throat> briefly about you. You you do live normally in Catskill, New York, with your husband, Dennis, and your cat Shelby. Um, Winter Witness is was the first book in your Batavia on Hudson mystery series, which is a fictional um, town there. But it's set like on the Hudson, so it's very relatable. You can see it, you know, when you're reading. Um, Tina also writes short stories very successfully um, recently too, and flash fiction, which is something I've never attempted, but I hear it's very cool. When she isn't writing, she is helping Dennis tend to their beehives, harvest shiitake mushrooms, and cultivate their vegetable garden. Um, she travels to Japan regularly to visit her son, Alessandro. So I know how to say that, Alessandro. Beautiful. <laughs> That's a, I love that name. That's such a cool name. Tina did her graduate studies in history. She's a former exporter, paralegal teacher, and library clerk. So one fun thing that just happened to you in the last week or two, I can't remember exactly, but um, it was very fun because Hank Philippi Ryan, who everyone in the mystery community loves to death, she's just a, uh, just a wonderful person and writer, had this to say about Winter Witness which is your debut novel, yeah? It is, it is. It's yeah. my, the first in the series. Yeah. Well, I would have to say, this is what I say about it, and it does not read like a debut novel. It reads like a very well-polished, not, not first novel. But this is what Hank had to say. Um, Winter Witness is intelligent, touching, wise, and evocative. Fans of Louise Penny will adore this. Winter Witness is a wonderful book. So how long did it take you to come off of that cloud? Uh, I'm still there. I'm still on that cloud. It's great. It's great to be talked about, to have my book talked about that way. And Louise Penny, you know, it's just, it, it couldn't be better. And um, 
I don't know. I just, I was thrilled. I mean, Hank, she's been delightful from day one. Mm -hmm. And she's just been such a great, she's everybody in the whole community is so supportive and so helpful. And then when she came up with that, I'm like, oh, wow, you made my year. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. But that's a nice thing to say. I mean, you know, you don't have to say anything or you can say something like, I loved it, you know, to get that's high praise. That's very high praise. So it's much higher than, well, anyway, it's, it's very touching to me and it's very exciting. I just, to be compared to Louise Penny, I mean, not compared, but at least bring some of your fans when you're done reading her series, come to mine. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's very well deserved. I mean, it's a beautiful book. Um, tell us a little bit about Win and Witness, just briefly. What is it? Um, what's your heroine? You know, tell us about it. Well, Bianca is my heroine, my main character, and she's um, she's an outsider. She's in a new community. Um, she's her husband's recently passed. She's a woman in her forties, but her husband's unexpectedly passed, and she's trying to make her way in her new community and fit in, um, and trying to like find a place because she's been so separate I guess you want to say so much in her own world with her husband and so she now all she has is her community and her son's far away um, and she ends up in the middle of um, a murder investigation basically and she while she's trying to make her way in her community she befriends the local historian and this woman shares a lot of information about the community as well as her own long life history but as she shares this information there are a lot of community secrets that come out and uh, she gives her notebooks and stuff because they're going to collaborate on a book. And because she's a writer, Bianca, a no similarity to me at all. And, um, and because she has this information, she feels like she has some insight into the murder and she kind of inserts herself in the investigation. And, um, and then, of course, you know, there's the whole how that unfolds in her relationship with the, the authorities as far as does she belong in this investigation or not. And there's a an interesting tension between her and the sheriff, which is push and pull, and there's a little romantic tension. It's um, you'll see. You have to read it. Yeah, read it. you've read it. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. <clears throat> but um, I like it that I like because Bianca such. It's almost like a fish out of water tale as well because she's so new to that um, very insular community. And, you know, as we were discussing before the show started, we've both sort of been transplanted around and, you know, your son's in Japan, like we've all been through that experience where it's sort of like, you're the new, you're the new person. Are you going to try to fit yourself in the best you can? Are you going to stand out and, you know, act like a weirdo and everyone's going to notice you? <laughs> like, you know, everyone does it differently, you know? And, you know, I'm, I'm basically once again, going through that, I'm fairly new to my upstate community, my Hudson Valley community, and I've chosen to kind of dive right in and get to know my people, you know, the locals, but there are, um, uh, there are newbies that have come to the community that don't try to fit in. And it, it's, it, it is interesting. Everybody kind of takes a different approach. And um, it's one of the reasons why my protagonist is an outsider, because it's something I feel like I understand a little too well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel a little bit like an immigrant. My parents were immigrants and Italian was my first language. And I, I just, I just feel like I'm always a little bit on the outside, you know, so I understand I, I, that whole sensibility, the whole, what goes on in her head. Yeah, I think, and I think um, when you're in those kind of situations, you're brought up in those kind of different ways, 
you know, you've had a lot of different experiences than the, maybe where you're living. It's, you have a lot of empathy, I think, later in life for other people. Like I know, I certainly feel like I have because I never really tried to judge people on how they're behaving when I first meet them. Cause you know, I don't know anything about what they've been through, <laughs> you know, like we've all been through, you know, different degrees of trauma or just feeling like you're the outsider. Like, you know, so I just try to give everyone like a chance to settle in to whatever conversation we're having before I'm like, okay, you know, I think you're nice. I like you. <laughs> But it doesn't develop empathy. I think being in different situations, being exposed to different people and that kind of thing. So, you know, instead of just feeling like you're always the one that's you know, the most important. Well, we'll get started with the first question, even though I've been asking questions this whole time. So we're already probably up to five. <laughs> that's not the show. So the show is number one, how did your writing career get started? You know, it's really interesting how they say one door opens and one one door closes, another one opens, right? So two unfortunate events is what got my writing going, right? So um, Hurricane Sandy, I, I used to be a teacher in, in Long Beach on Long Island. Oh, wow. My building was condemned. We were out of school for weeks. It, I don't even remember how many weeks, six, eight weeks we were out of school. So what we did was Dennis and I, my husband and I came up to the Catskills where we had a place where we were a little place we've been trying to fix up to get ready for our retirement um someday um well we got to spend weeks there and loved it so much that when we came back i put in for early retirement and i retired the following year wow. and um what i did was i lined up a job and working as an office manager for a resort there um and I had a little, I had a lot more time on my hands. Teaching is very, you know, people say teachers want to be teachers because of the schedule. You know, it's such a demanding job, mm -hmm. but I finally had a regular job and I had more time. <laughs> so I got to finally say, okay, I'm going to write now. So I did. And then what happened about a year into that, I was in Japan actually visiting my son and I got a phone call that like the second day of my vacation that said the resort was closing and I was out of a job. <laughs> so like, oh, I see. So with the support of Dennis and my son, Alessandro, I decided right then and there, you know what, I'm just going to take six months and write and see how it goes. Like, I've got it. I'm going to take it and I'm going to do it. And I did. And that's how my writing got off the ground. My career got off the ground with short stories, you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, script, I decided a couple of years ago, I decided to start short fiction and that worked out really well for me. So uh, my first published piece was in Best New England Crime Stories and Seascape. And um, now I have two in the last two editions of Best New England. I have, oh, I'm so excited. Next month, Mystery Writers of America is launching their anthology. And I snagged a, a slot in there. I was so excited. Um, so it's edited by Michael Carita and Michael Connolly's in there and Lisa Unger and Joe Hill. And it's great. So my name's going to be in there. So the short stories were, and I like to talk about this because I think it's important for anybody who's not published yet. The short stories really worked for me. It really got, um, got me out there, gave me some credentials and got me published. My, my flash fiction got a little attention. So short, short is a smart way to go. Yes. And I will have to tell you when I saw, cause I see all the names and the lists and the news and everything. When I saw your name, I was like, I actually yelled out loud. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe she said I was so thrilled and excited for you. Oh yeah. It was awesome. I was just thrilled. It's just, gonna, it's just amazing. It's wonderful. And um, I will agree. The short stories is a wonderful way to get going. And that was a, very similar to my story. My first story got accepted in um, Malice Anthology years ago. And um, 
I wrote it like on a whim. I'm like, I don't even know if I remember how to write a short story, but I did. And it, it was very um, successful and everyone loved it. And uh, Catherine Hall Page emailed me and said it was her favorite story she'd read for the whole book. And then she made me a teapot. She made me a mouse teapot for it. So it, was, it has the name of the story on it, which was such a great, that was very encouraging. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can, maybe I got something here, you know? So, but it, yeah, definitely short stories is, um, is a great way to, keep going and you know I love to write one in between novels and different things and I actually just gave a talk Monday to a short story um it's a short story like kind of master class that I wrote for the Scottish Association of Writers they asked me to teach a workshop on it so yes I am a huge strong advocate of short crime fiction especially yeah so. okay. um we'll talk about this maybe later when we talk about what's coming up but I'm going to be on a short story panel at Murderous March coming up <sighs> Um, so that's March 19th and 20th. That's my chapter of Sisters in Crime, uh, the Mavens of Mayhem, where the upper Hudson Valley. And yes. um, we're still accepting registration. It's uh, We've got a nice uh, agenda and we're very excited about it. But I'll be doing, um, I'll be on the short story panel. I'd love to hear, am I able to cat listen to your workshop? I'd like to know how Yes, I will. Actually, I think I was, I was going to come to your thing, but it's conflicting with the Scottish thing. And I was actually supposed to be in Edinburgh, so... <laughs> <laughs> you were going to be on the panel last year and then we had to cancel yeah yeah if i can't once once they have it um publicized and everything then i can probably share it because it is it's, it was a lot of fun to put together so but we have to do a short we'll have to do a short story panel you and i i'd love that whether it be maybe gabriel or some other people yeah so yeah that would be perfect yeah. Okay. So um, if you could tell your younger self, this is question number two for everyone that's following along and playing at home. <laughs> if you could tell your youngest writing self anything, what would it be? Yeah. There are three things I would tell myself. I wish I had known these things. First, you know, like vote early, vote often, write early, write often. I didn't really allow myself to write when I was younger. I was just not confident enough. And I would say submit, 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 because you have to write it, you have to get it out there. And, you know, it all boils down to don't be afraid. I was really too reluctant to put my writing out there. I just, and it's a shame. It really is because they could have been writing a long time ago. I think you need to get to a certain point, point in your life where you have enough to write about and you have enough stored up, I don't know, perspective. Um, but I should have been writing sooner and I just had to be braver, I think. Yeah. Good, good points. Yeah, I was um, in college in my sophomore year and my professor told me, because I was writing a lot of short stories for class, and she told me that I was ready to um, write a novel when I was 19 and I was working at a bar and an office in DC. I'm like, what? what? Like, That's crazy. I don't know enough stuff yet. And that was like my immediate, like I was very appreciative and everything, but I was like, I don't know what to say, but it was really nice to, to hear that, but yeah. I you know, I never, nobody ever saw my writing when I was 19. So. <laughs> so I would have never been encouraged because I, I wouldn't dare show it to anybody. In fact, Dennis didn't know I was writing Winter Witness until I had like five or six chapters done. And I said, I'm, I guess I'm going to write this book. I'm going to have to tell him because it needs some attention. I can't just keep sneaking, you know. Like. <laughs> you're going to think you're up to something nefarious. That's right. You never know. you got to be up front. <laughs> right. What are you doing on your phone all the time? Okay, so third question. When you uh, when did you first realize that words have power, that something you wrote had an impact on someone or a situation? Okay, so I'm going to talk about flash fiction, I think, is really, um, it's 
it was just a delightful discovery that um, I loved writing short stories. And then I kind of got sucked into this flash fiction competition. And then I just kept writing them because I became like addicted. And this idea of writing, um, synthesizing and distilling my thoughts and plot the whole story into a few hundred words or even like a hundred words really it's really it's actually empowering as a writer to say wow i can get that all done in a hundred words or 250 words and um, it's definitely influenced my long form writing but what's most interesting about it um what i found was you know some of my flash fiction has gotten some recognition and that's terrific it's really nice you want to be validated in your writing but what i found most interesting most surprising was some reader feedback that i got which was mm -hmm. Oh wow, you know, I really learned to care about that character, and you only wrote a hundred words or two hundred words, you know. And then you say, "Wow, there's really something here to be said for, you know, each word matters." And I, I think that as much as writing a book is wonderful, and I love like the that that extended visit you have with your characters, there's something about that making sure that not a word is wasted. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I call it, I, what I was talking about in my, the workshop I did, I would call it luxuriating in all the words. <laughs> you can just like roll around and all the descriptions. I mean, you don't want to go crazy with it, but you have, you know, you don't have to, but it is like cross training. So in the gym, like one day, some days you lift weights, some days you sprint and, you know, it's, but each thing makes you stronger on the other side. That's so right. writing, the, writing short and writing long is you get stronger on both sides. I totally agree. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Where can, um, work, work, is some of your flash fiction available for people to find? Um, on my website is um, either, yeah, our links. So, you know, tinaspedelcard.com, very hard to remember. Of course, if you can't spell it, good luck to you, right? <laughs> for all the British for all the British people out there there's an e at the end of her name so just <laughs> and uh, there we go it's right there and um and I have links to a few pieces that got some recognition and then there are a few all others floating around um that were published here and there and you know um so there's a few there you get a feel for it anyway yeah and, I think I'm going to be teaching a flash fiction course in the fall at Rochester Library. Um, it's going to be virtual, but we're, I'm lining that up now, so I'm very excited. That's awesome. Very cool. Very, very good. So uh, what comes first for you, the plot or the characters? Oh, this is like the easiest question for me always. It's characters, always. Um, and I think that's um, a couple of reasons. You know, like to me, a great read, a great book is good writing, good characters. Right. And no matter what happens in a book, I always feel like I want to know the most about the character. I want to be in that person's head. I want to know, about, you know, their hopes and dreams, their disappointments. I want to hear what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me, like I and have my village is like full of these characters that I just want to know. I want to spend time with. I want my I want my readers to care about them. And I think the reason it works for me, like the character thing, is because I like a slow burning story, slice mm -hmm. of life, everyday life, everyday people. Because I think that to me they're the most interesting. You know, we think that's like ordinary, but really we're all pretty extraordinary. Things happen every. I mean, look at this last year, what we've all been through, right? And if, if you don't have good plots there, I mean, you know, you don't have to make them up. They're, they're, the real life is what we, what we write about. Even the most, the craziest stories are, all, you know, we've learned. 
real life is, you know, and fiction are not that far apart. And um, I love Ann Tyler. I always talk about her when I talk about characters because she's such a great character developer. And I have this, you know, this like little story that I read in an interview of her a few years back, <clears throat> quite a few years back, excuse me, um, where I think like an editor came back to her and said, you know, I need a little bit more plot. Like, where's this going? And she's, and she said something along the lines, I don't have it exact, but something along the lines, like, I wrote all these great characters for you. Do I really need to write a plot? Like, and that's how I feel like I would read Ann Tyler's books if nothing ever happened. And things happen very slowly, you know, in her books. But um, I just, I don't know, to me, all the plots have been done already, right? All the stories have been told. It's just the characters that change. So we have to make the characters interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, your your novel, um, there's definitely a mood to it. It's very, not everyone is able to evoke a mood when you're reading a book. And it, it is a, it's a different kind of pace. It's not slow. It's just, it's a different, you feel like you're being enveloped like in a big blanket when you read it. <laughs> it's like you want to, that's how it, it gives you a feeling. It's a weird, it's hard to describe. But I think a couple, of, I might have made a couple of notes, like, you know, maybe, you know, what's going to be happening here. But then once I read it twice, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the mood. This is what we're doing. We're doing this now. It's like a big sweater we're wearing, you know, so, but I love it. Like, well, I'm glad you see it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I have every, I think I have every one of her books and Tyler's books. Um, I read them back in college era, you know, I've read them recently, but I read them in my lifetime. I've read them and there was definitely a, a comparison I can see in your styles there. I'm doing okay today, Louise. And, and uh, <laughs> I'm good. My, my, my idols. Yeah. Now you just got to be compared to like some famous flash fiction person and you got, you got all the bases covered. But you, you'll be the one. You'll be the one that people are comparing themselves to. Oh, Sean. Why not be that person? I'll do my best. I, oh, I don't want to let you down. <laughs> you never let me down. You're wonderful. So now I like, to, I always like to ask some, some sort of like a little off the wall question that, you know, the last one is always kind of a fun one. And we talked about, I don't know what to ask you. I'm going to ask you this, since you had, um, you said you were the daughter of immigrants and you had a little bit different um, upbringing and different things. I'm going to say, what did you want to be when you grew up? That's another easy question, actually. Um, easy, but disappointing in a way. I always wanted to be a writer. <laughs> but I really did. I wanted to be a teacher and a writer, and I was a teacher, but I was too afraid to be a writer. I really was. And it goes back to your earlier question. I just I didn't have the confidence to say, somebody read my stuff and tell me if I could, should keep doing this. And, um, and that really, that's really all that it really was. If I had maybe taken some chances and put some stuff out there, maybe I would have been doing it earlier, but that's really what I wanted. This is a dream come true for me. I couldn't, I, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than writing. Well, then you've, you've, you did what you wanted to be when you yeah. grew up. You've done both things. So yeah. look. I didn't yeah. think I'd be as grown up as I am. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Well, then I always say, you know, I try to live like with no regrets. So like if you had done something way earlier, maybe you wouldn't be where you are now. Like that's how I always look at things. Like maybe you wouldn't have this book that you love so much. I mean, you never know. No, that's absolutely true. I don't have regrets. Um, but I do know that, um, if, if there are people out there who are thinking about writing, they should be writing. And yes. They should be doing something with it. I was doing some writing, but I wasn't doing anything with it, right? Yeah. Um, submitting it anywhere or showing it to somebody to get a little pat on the back or a little guidance that said, you know, you need to work on this or do that, right? I, I didn't. So I didn't do that until I was in my 50s. So. Yeah. Oh, you got lots of time to, to keep going. So we're all good. <laughs> yeah. 
going to be some upstart young person everyone wants to you know nobody likes because you got successful too quickly <laughs> good point we wouldn't want we wouldn't want to be there <laughs> we don't want you to burn out it would have been a whole different different tina so okay rapid fire quiz five questions hmm. any way you want to answer there's no wrong answers except there are in my opinion but that's okay <laughs> you can feel whatever you No, i'm just kidding you can feel whatever you want to feel so number one beach or mountains oh this is this is the only one I bet you I can't answer because I look, I have a house in the mountains and a house on the beach because I can't, I can't choose. I love them both. And you know why? Because of the air. It's all about the air. It's about a breeze and they both have beautiful air. That's, not that's suburbia. I can tell you that it's not suburbia. I bet. Well, and that's a very, that's a very valid answer. You can answer it any way you want to. That's the rule. The rule is there are no rules in my book. On my show, there are no rules. Um, I agree with you completely. I live in a, I live in a mountainous town. There's a mountain range right outside my house. Um, I have to go over two mountains to see my mom at her house, um, South Mountain, in Maryland. And but I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, so and I love the beach. I'm a beach girl, so but I like both. I like both is I like leaving one to get to the other and then leaving that place to go back to the other one. <laughs> so perfectly correct answer. Okay, cake or pie? Pie. No elaboration. Because I'm a fruit person. Mm -hmm. So it's always about pies. And you're a cake person? No, I like both. Oh. But I figured you would say pie because you live like in the Catskills where, and don't they have a lot of apple picking and there's just a... I make plum pies, I make peach pies, I make apple pies. Oh my God. Pies. Yes, pie for sure. <laughs> pie is awesome. You feel like you're kind of being good too because you're eating fruit. You know, you're not like totally decadent, like stuffing your face with sugar. So, okay. Are you a morning person or a night owl? morning morning mm -hmm. oh my gosh i can't my son spent his whole youth waking me up at night to watch a movie come on not again, not again. Oh, no, not <laughs> my husband has never seen an entire movie <laughs> <laughs> i have to watch all my movies in three parts <laughs> well, I, I, well i will take that back like a handful of times he's seen an entire movie and that's when you know he just really likes it because right, he right. forced himself to stay awake and like because normally he's like he two-thirds in he just passes out and he's like well, what happened so like i spend like most of my life telling him the last part of every movie so i can make up any ending i want for anything <laughs> like, oh they never found the shark in jaws they just swam away and that was the end of the movie and happy ever after you know <laughs> and it would yeah, swam off and killed a bunch more people and that was the end of the movie so <laughs> rewriting movie history right change all the endings of famous movies <laughs> that's actually kind of fun we should do that just for fun. I know the answer, I know the answer to this one, but maybe not. Dogs or cats? Cats, yes. You do know the answer to that one. Is Shelby with you in Florida? He is, but he's in hiding because they were cutting down trees this morning. He is hiding as deep under the bed as he could get. And he hasn't come out yet. <laughs> I'll bet. Like, why did you bring me to this hot, scary, loud place? Oh, and he's shedding from oh my God. He didn't shed upstate, but here I can't keep it under control. He's just yeah getting to him and he's very fluffy so he loses a lot of fur what kind of cat is he like a maine coon like a big fluffy cat he thought he was going to he might even be part maine coon but he's just a medium hair but i think he's a long hair um yeah. he's a ginger you know tabby he's beauty he's yeah beauty. my mom's got a big uh, ginger maine coon who's like 20 pounds or something oh my god i don't know shelby's on his way i don't know he just <laughs> keeps and he just keeps eating i don't know we'll see stop giving him pie Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, coffee or tea? Oh, coffee and coffee. Coffee. 
and then you still fall asleep at movies. So yes. <laughs> are you one of those people that can drink coffee and then, then fall asleep right after that? Yep. Okay. Well, My grandmother was like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's the smell of coffee. It's the sound. You were making your coffee before we started. I'm like, oh, that sounds so good. And I had three or four cups before we started. So I don't know why it sounded so good, but I just love coffee. It's like a siren call, the coffee maker, the Keurig in the morning. I love my Keurigs. I'm the only one that drinks it in my house. So I have a Keurig because I, you know, sometimes I want one, sometimes I want four. I, on the other hand, I have a sip after a 12.02 and I can't sleep all night. So I have to stop in the middle of the day. But my, my grandmother would have a, my grandparents had a cup of black coffee after dinner every night and they would just go to bed. Like, well, you guys are weird. <laughs> it's something. Espresso, cappuccino. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's very elegant and nice too to do. So, so what is going on with you next for your writing? We heard a little bit about the short stories. What's, is there another novel? Um, yes, I'm working on Dead Man's Leap, so book two for the Batavian Hudson series, so Bianca is uh, continuing. Um, so Winter Witness came out a few months ago, uh, Dead Man's Leap is due out um, a year from now, basically, and I'm very excited about that. I have a new cover, um, I'm very excited about that, I haven't revealed it yet to anybody but you, right? <laughs> you only want to see the cover. Sneak peek. And, um, and I'm still working on my short fiction. And on the third book of the series is going to take place in Japan. Oh, cool. um, I started sketching out ideas and bouncing ideas of my son. So I'm hoping I was supposed to have a trip to Japan last November. Um, and of course, that was canceled. So we're sort of tentatively planning a new trip this November um, so that I can. I mean, I've been there three or four times now. So I, you know, I can work on my memory, but I really want to be there when I start. Yeah, you know, really right. So kind of excited about that. That's awesome. Me too. And you can write some of it off because it's for your job. There we go. <laughs> Writer's tip. <laughs> Part of it anyway. And I'm not a tax attorney. So don't take that advice and run with it. You have to talk to your tax person. I don't want to get sued or any letters from anybody about that. But there is a thing you can write off some expenses if you're doing research, which is cool. Well, is very good, but you're also doing a lot of events and stuff too. Like, do you have a lot more events coming up or online events? Well, I have, um, I, I work with three other authors. So uh, Carol Puglio, Lita Sedaris, and Jen Collins-Moore. The four of us have a panel we call Sleuths and Sidekicks. And we are doing a virtual coast-to-coast -to -coast tour, um, libraries, bookstores, and that's been very nice. We have a few more coming up. Um, if you go to my website, they'll be up soon. They're not quite up to date. It's almost up to date. Uh, so we have like Rochester Library coming up and Barnes and Noble in um, Syracuse, maybe? Not sure. So we, we, we're doing those panels, which are great. And we have Murderous March coming up, March 19th, March 20th, registration open. Um, and stuff like that. Yeah, I have some events coming up. Cool. So that's been, that's been fun uh, doing readings. I did my first reading. I did um, had a short story um, that I read last week or two weeks ago for the Hudson Valley Writers Guild. It won an honorable mention. So I got to, the first time I read the whole, a whole long story. So it was like a 24 minute reading, which was long. I've never done that before. So that mm -hmm. was really nice. And um, so it's amazing how many opportunities, you know, to be virtual, you know, the one positive thing from all of this has been the virtual world that we've expanded our own worlds with you know yeah 
for sure. I mean, I, you know, I doubt the four of you would have gotten together to do all these things in normal times. No, exactly. You know, Lita's in California, uh, Jen is in Chicago, I'm on the East Coast, Carol's in all the way in Syracuse area. So it would have been too hard. This has been great for us. Yeah. And you know, amplifies where our reach because, you know, Lita's working on her contacts out there and, you know, everybody's got a different network. And if you'd work locally, it would be nice. I'd love to do things in person. I haven't done anything in person since my book launch. Um, but we all have the same contacts locally, you know, so. That's awesome. Well, um, yeah, I think the end of this year will start easing back into normal times. And then next year, you know, hopefully all the conventions will be back up and running and we'll all see each other in person and have a bunch of celebratory toasts and things. It'll be really fun to see everybody and give everyone big hugs. I miss hugging. I know I miss hugging too, boy. Oh my. I'm very, very much a demonstrative, you know, touchy feely person. So it's been hard. Yeah. 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 My husband, my family's getting extra hugs all the time. <laughs> my, my son's like, I just hugged you an hour ago. I'm like, I don't care. Do it again. <laughs> very lucky. You're very lucky. I haven't seen my son in two years no oh. 18 months 18 months. oh that must be terribly hard terrible yeah. thank god for FaceTime. that's all i have to say absolutely yeah can you imagine if it was like letter writing times you know like here from somebody for months so well thank you so much for coming and for spending so much time with me and um letting everybody know about everything that's very cool going on for you it's great this was wonderful i enjoyed it and uh great questions a lot of fun thank you well, I try to keep things fun, Be virtually, in person and virtually, and just Sean. in general. Yeah, and fun is my charming. Oh, well, that's sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, you get extra credit for praise. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Sean. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.